Yeah, they do. They still do Boy State and Austin. Um, Clay was Clay handled my media relations and community outreach on my state rep campaign. Hmm. And did a good job. I mean, I didn't win, but he, he did a good job. Uh, you're outpaid. Uh, uh, outspent. Oh yeah, it was it was very interesting. That campaign was very interesting. Um, How is she doing? We're, we're right live. Away. We're hey, we're live. Oh, we're live. <laughs> I haven't heard Chuck. Where's All Chuck? Right. From Everybody's Andrew rocking Studios. and rolling. <laughs> JP. Morning, now we're live. <laughs> Kathy, JP, how y'all doing? Today? Hey, good morning, James good Sellers. Morning. Make your mark with Sightmark. Welcome back, buddy. Excellent. Well, good to be back. We have a fully renovated and updated studio, which is my Yay. office. So, um, anyway, which is my office. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Hey, by Excellent. the way, you know, last time we left you, you were adding on, you were putting in. I mean, you were putting in like a fruit bar or something or like a little oh. snack area and <laughs> yeah. you had yoga mats Smoothies or something. Smoothies and stuff like that. Yeah. Protein <laughs> yes, drinks. The, the weather has been a little a bit fruit rough. fruit uh, We're We have foundation. We have a foundation, which is an important part of the building. Yes. We're waiting for the till walls to go up and then from there, hopefully it starts moving faster. But foundation uh, is good. Foundation right. is very course, good. <laughs> you know, that kind of brings up part of the, the thing that's been going on in my mind lately i'm thinking about you know this it used to be beautiful grassland and now it's covered by a building um you know we put cement over a beautiful it used to be in farms for hundreds of years uh, since this was first um settled and now we have an industrial building on it doing you know manufacturing and design work marketing and sales distribution and we have manufacturing of various products now the idea of these products is to get people outdoors um, what worries me is driving down these interstates is we're running out of land in Texas. I'm wondering what's going to happen as all these people move in and build homes and, and shopping malls. Well, I don't, they don't build shopping malls anymore. <laughs> Maybe strip malls, I guess, is the new, new thing. Or the but, outdoor um, shopping um, experience. Yeah. What do you guys think when you're driving around um, your towns? You see them building out and all the farmland being covered up and... It's, um, it, it's the countryside chops smaller and smaller. What it's, you it's, you know, I, I mean, it, you know, obviously, you know, you love growth, you love job opportunities, all that kind of stuff. I really, um, it breaks my heart because I think you've got to preserve some of the land. You've got to have some green space. Um, I was real big on that when I was a county commissioner in Collin County because I just slowly and slowly saw it. And, I'm probably the only one old enough to know the reference to this song, but an old Joni Mitchell song called Pave Paradise, and, or one of the lines is Pave Paradise and Put Up a Parking Lot. And um, at some point, we is there too much? Song. Do y'all know? Do, yes. do you know that? Because I'm older than both of you. Pave Paradise, put up a parking lot. Okay, knows the song. All right. So, yeah, great song. Okay, well, then I'm not as old as I thought I was. So it's one of those things that at some point, you know, you want to have that balance. There's something to be said, especially I think we really appreciate it now more after this pandemic or during this pandemic, however you want to, yeah. wherever you think we are in the cycle, that it, it's to be able to get outside and, and have, breathe fresh air and, you know, have a place to walk your dog, yeah. have a place to hunt, have a place to fish, have a place just to, you know, go on a long walk, dig in some dirt, roll in the dirt like we used to when we were kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, James. No, I, <clears throat> yes. Well, go ahead, John. Well, I was going to no, react please. to your question, but go ahead. No, I was just, I'm again, thinking about these things. Um, and I'll just say this, John, I'd like to hear, hear your thoughts, but um, there are so many people 
that are living in these cities that never, the closest they get to nature is a city park. And um, the closest they get to wildlife is a zoo. And um, I really believe that people that haven't had a chance to grow up in the country or visit the country, um, whether it's on a farm or ranch or just forest or an opportunity to hunt, I think they become psychologically dependent I think that is changing the very fabric. And I think that what we're seeing in our, our, our society is that people are becoming dependent, code, not even codependent, just dependent. They, they're always looking to somebody else to take care of them. And I think it's really because people have forgotten how to farm, to grow things, how to raise things, how to take care of things. Um, anyway, so I'm thinking that there may be a deeper issue at stake with the loss of our, our natural spaces and our outdoor spaces and the fact that family farm may be in its last... Um, last legs. Anyway, I think there's some mm. profound impacts and things that we're dealing with. And reason why people don't seem to understand each other is because we live in different worlds. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that's what's going on. So John, what is what are your thoughts? What's going well, on? With our, you know, so yeah. let's talk progression, right? So I take office in 1991. And garages were built in the front of the house in the late 70s, early 80s. So yeah. when you pulled in, you saw your neighbor, neighbors used to close off the streets at the end and they would have block parties where everybody brought their tables and chairs out. Everybody brought their food out, whatever food type they were making. Huge in the 70s. Everybody walked up and down the neighborhood, eating everybody else's food, trying everybody else's food out, visiting that normally ended in a night with people putting off fireworks. Okay. Right. So then you have the houses that started having garages built in the back. Back in the seventies and eighties, when somebody walked up and said, Hey, I saw James walking down the street with a kid that looked like he was about four or five years older than him, and they looked like they were up to no good. Your mom in the 70s and 80s would have said, you know what, thank you, I'm going to take care of that. In the late 80s, early 90s, it became, how dare you get off my property, I'm calling the cops, you don't know my kid, um, you're a judgmental racist, you're a judgmental whatever, because yeah. how dare you? And again, or we, you you didn't even talk to your neighbor. Right, well, you again, know? It, goes to the, it goes to the garage in the back versus the front. In the front, we'd pull also, up, we'd work. park, we would get, well, there's a, but I mean, I this is- work too. You there's, know, there's you, a lot you came of, home and you went right in the house. Well, but that, see, when you had a front yard and a front yeah. garage, you got out of your car, went to your mailbox. But I don't think people do that anymore. Well, they don't because they pull up and they pull yeah. around back. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We don't have houses with That's front end garages. So yeah. let's take it one step further, right? Let's talk about what you're talking yeah. about. I, when I was doing community service with the kids- and I had a farm that I would take them out to for 20 years. Every year, I would tell kids, okay, make sure you bring a shovel and a, and a, and a rake. And I had one girl look at me, but this happened all the time. One girl looked at me and she goes, hey, the shovel thing, that's the thing that's got where you, and she put her fingers down. Don't even know. And tried to rake with her fingers. That's a shovel, right? I'm like, no, that's a rake. Kids she don't goes, know. Yeah, well, they've never even seen a shovel There's or no a rake. lawn equipment. There's, yeah. Lived in an apartment yep. their entire life. They've never lived in an actual home. Or right. if they've lived in a home, you've got somebody who does your lawn service. You never mowed a lawn. Most of these kids were, were apartment kids. Yeah. That had never seen a shovel. Oh, yeah. They'd never seen a shovel or rake. And they were apartment kids. So this goes, James, to what you're talking about, where we have created a psychological, with this multifamily living, which a lot of us conservatives try to battle and try to create more affordable Absolutely. housing. For, for yeah. homes for people versus this affordable multi, or this multifamily living, it creates a bit of, of security for them 
and then they're afraid to go outside of that because they don't know anything different, right? And when I right. drive, when I drove out to Aubrey ten years ago, James, there was nothing. There was no Providence. There was no nothing. I drive out to Aubrey now. Do you know the Dallas North Tollway goes all the way through Prosper? Okay. Now yeah. there are homes sprawling all around Aubrey. And the 34-acre ranch that we have purchased will more than likely be covered with homes in the next 10 years all around us. Oh, it, everything looks like it's, it's on its way to being pre-platted for all development. Yeah. And yeah. so you're right. We're eating up our natural resources. And so then what, you know, what, and my question to you, James, is what is the impact of that on hunters, on people who oh. like to be out in, the, in, in nature? And then how do we expose sure. people to that? Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's actually really interesting. I think Texas specifically, and maybe the rest of the country is similar. I, mean, I know the rest of the country has similar is, issues, but we're seeing so many people <clears throat> coming in from out of state right now. Um, what's interesting, this is, this is some information from Texas Farm Bureau. Um, so in big numbers, um, there is in the state of Texas, um, we're, we're 83% rural of, of land um, that's out there. Um, 95% of the land is private. So in a lot of other states, like out West, you'll have like the opposite. You'll have the state owns all the mountains and deserts and, um, you know, just wild, wild stuff. In Texas, we don't have that. We have private land, which is good. So the other thing though, you're looking, you're looking at is our population's changing. So, um, and now this is not when I cooperate. So in Texas, um, 90% of the people are living in cities. So figure that out. And then less than 1% of people in the state of Texas are landowners. Less than 1%. I mean, that's uh, that in, in, especially James in Texas, like I would would believe that. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, this state or that state, but in Texas, I'm like, are you serious? But then I don't know. I I don't know many people. JP's one of my few friends that actually even owns land now. So here's the thing. How do you, in a democracy, protect land rights? Yeah. You have less than 1% of people are landowners. Yep. Wow. And here's the thing, I think, and this is where, again, it gets back to kind of what you you guys are so important. You send very important message and conservative messages that protect freedom and liberty. And the problem is, driving the country right now, and you go talk to those farmers and ranchers, I, I bet, I don't have that statistic here, but I bet the average age is at least 60, if it's not higher. Oh, I wouldn't doubt and it. And all of them tell me that they, they had a smaller family than they, they their family. Their family's smaller than their, their parents did, yes. right? And they're saying that they're all their most of their brothers and sisters moved in the city and they took jobs and they got it, they went to the university, got got a degree, um, have a house or you know, live in the city. Yep. They're saying that they had less kids. Their kids, none of them want to be farmers or ranchers. They all got educated in the cities uh, or the universities and they want to go off to Great things, which is fantastically great. But guess yeah. what? No one wants to farm anymore yeah. in the ranch. So what does the rancher do? The farmer do? They sell the land. It gets bought by a developer. They chop it up. They put little ranchettes everywhere, build neighborhoods, uh, city sprawl, and pretty soon our best, most fertile agricultural land, uh, farming land, ranch land becomes concrete. Um, and the reason this is, is because no one can afford this state tax on these private properties. Um, you know, when you look at actually why this gets brought up, uh, broken up, for one, people aren't vested in it. And then when the, when this state, you know, the time comes, they have to do this state, uh, the amount over the exemption is taxed so heavily, there's no way you can keep these properties together. So the tax code itself is causing this 
fracturization of all our uh, all the land across Texas, in my opinion. And I think we have a real problem. How are we going to protect these farms? Because the I believe in, in free enterprise and in and, and, and liberty. Um, you know, but the tax system is so against that. You cannot have multi-generation farms in this country no. um, of any size. You're penalized. And there's too much there's too much economic incentive to break it up and sell it off, um, chop it up. So I'm really concerned. I drive around the country and I see this every time I get on the interstates. There's so much beautiful land still out there, but it is being chopped up. And as these farmers and these these families end up moving off the farm or they, they end up passing away or retiring, um, we're not replacing the farmers. We're, we're going to have corporate farms and then we're going to have little tiny ranchettes. I think that's where we're headed. Wow. Well, we've been heading that direction for a long time, you know, since Ronald Reagan. Um, when the farm, remember we had the farm crisis in 84, 85? I mean, I know, we, I know we were young. You know what I'm saying? Willie Nelson, wasn't he with the one in charge right. of farm aid? Correct. I remember that. And I remember, I mean, I was I was young, James. I was 13. So you probably were, what, 11, 12? Because you and I are, you're, you're apart, right? You graduated in 91 from high school, right? I graduated with you, John. We're both 91, aren't we? No, I'm 90. Oh, I graduated. Yeah. Remember, I was a year older than you. Right. You're, you're a little, okay. Yeah. That's right. And so, so James was there when I was a first year teacher. He was at Plano Senior High. <laughs> oh, you're oh, Plano Senior. Okay. Yeah. I was over at Pesh. Yeah. And Go so, Panthers. Well, my point is, though, is I remember back when farms were under fire in the 80s and Reagan had to step in, Farm Aid stepped in to save the family farms. And yeah. what's happened is, is that corporations have gone in, and these mega corporations, and they have gone in and they have literally bled the local farmer. Take dairy, for example, all right? Now, I know dairy's not um, agricultural in nature from growing corn, but take dairy. We have some of the best dairy farms in this country, right? What are we not doing? We're not drinking as much milk. And so we're throwing away millions of gallons of milk every year. And what's happening throughout the state of Wisconsin? Dairy farms are shutting down. We have two we have two major dairy farms left and they're both mega corporate and they yeah. compete with Canada. Yeah. I've talked to my sister. My sister's like, John, I'm watching the farms mm-hmm. shut down around me. I go talk to these guys. They can't afford to stay in business because they're not buying their milk because they're throwing milk away. Yeah. And so the corporate farmers God, that's scary. or the corporate farm companies are going out and they're distributing their milk. And it, not everybody gets the chance because here, here's the here's how they bleed them out, James. These corporate farms, these corporate company, corporate companies, these corporations don't have a bunch of cows out there. So what is a they cor- have buyers. What is a corporate? Y- y'all are like throwing a term out there I've never heard of. Corporate farm. Well, they, what does they, that even mean? They go out and they buy. A corporation does. A corporation goes out. They send their guy out to go up and buy units. Okay. All right. And so they go out and they buy different kinds of units from local farmers, right? right? So what happens is, is that they get undercut so much that the farmer can't afford it anymore, but the farmer has to sell because he doesn't have the way to distribute the milk. And again, like James said, it's not a generational thing anymore. This next generation does not want to be, they don't want to be farmers. Right. And so the corporation drives that farm into such a way that it's going to probably go bankrupt that the farmer will sell to the corporation. The corporation subsumes that farm, takes it over, tears it down, sells the land for James's ranchettes. My sister, who lives in Abrams, Wisconsin, I mean, you talk about farmland, hunting land, right? They built a subdivision across from her. 
She's like, there's no subdivision within 40 miles, and they've built a subdivision in the middle of nowhere because the farmer couldn't afford it. His thing was soybeans. And guess what? The buyer for soybeans stopped buying from him, and it cut him off. You know, how do you think you get your Subway pickles or you get pickles to other sandwich shops? Big company out of Wisconsin, a huge corporate ag company, sends out buyers all throughout the country, loads up on all the pickles. They pick what they want. They buy the fields. I want that job, by the way. Hey, they buy I the I want to f- pick the pickles and the olives. Well, they don't actually pick them. Oh. They, they buy the fields up, though, <laughs> so nobody else can have access to the produce. Yeah. They lock in the price. The next year, everybody else has gone somewhere else. They're now stuck with the company that is buying their produce, and now they lower the price. They lose their farm. Farm gets sold to ranchettes, and the big farm subsumes other farm. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible well, and, and, okay, cycle. And then, James, my next question. Sorry, James. What, I took no, over. Sorry but, about that. Well, um, James, what's a ranchette? Well, the ranchette is, is uh, okay. I guess I might fall that category because I kind of want to get out of the country and have a ranch yet too. So I'm going to go ahead and preface that. Well, at least, it, at it's, least like, it's something uh, that's left. Yeah. It's, it's a professional. Usually it's your doctors, lawyers, your accountants. Um, and they go out and they buy 20, 30 acres and put a house on it and they retire up there. Um, and then they may have a, a horse in the back. They might put a couple of cows in their field. Right. Um, the thing is not economic viable. The amount of equipment and time and effort it's, it's just no way that's ever going to produce an income. So, um, and that's actually the, 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 the finances are so jacked right now in um, ranching and farming, in my opinion, you know, you have land prices across the state, they're escalating, land's getting harder to come by, it's getting more expensive. So again, if you're a rancher or a farmer and you're struggling to make money on your family's cost basis of the, the land, just the operating costs, you can't make a living on it. And somebody's going to offer you thousands of dollars per acre um, to sell your, yeah. your ranch. You know, I think the temptation in the family is like, come sell it. Let's get the money. Let's spread it around. Let's go, you know, live a good life and not worry about all the work that goes into farming and ranching. So there's a huge yeah. economic incentive right now with the land prices for people to sell out. Um, you can't buy, I can't, I don't know if anyone listening knows how to do this, but I can't see a way that you could buy land, put cows on it, put a crop in the ground, cotton, sort uh, soybean, whatever it is, um, corn, how do you make money on that? The cost of the, the ground is so expensive. So um, I think the economics are getting out of whack where the farmers really, you want to get in farming, you can't because it's economically unattractive. Uh, all the incentives aren't operating, it's selling land. So, Well, and um, the answer to the question, James, is you can't make money doing it. That's why farms are diversifying. You'll see hay rides now at Christmas time. You'll see mazes at at Halloween. There's a farm yeah, that we drive by. At Halloween. Yeah, we drive by a farm in Aubrey and they've got about 180 acres and at Christmas and at, 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 um, Halloween. at Halloween, they're packed. And that's how they make I'm up for... I'm expecting a haunted hayride at oh, your place this year. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> um, but they're, they're packed with people constantly every weekend. And yeah. so their natural resource is generating money from the city folk that are coming in to experience these haunted yeah. hay rides, the mazes, the animals. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fantastic. The avenues for people to value and cherish that lifestyle, even if they're not actively able to participate in it. I think that's great. We need yeah. more of that. 
Well, and, um, and here's the thing. So it, it's basically this has been a mind, a paradigm shift, James. If I'm understanding you right now, I'm thinking back, and I'm like, yeah, this is this has been coming for a long time, and and, and yeah. I and I can't help but thinking a little choked up of um, Paul Harvey's best Super Bowl commercial ever, and God made a farmer, and that's so sad because I don't I re, I think. Those of us who are our age understand that connection and, and, and really can relate to that commercial because every, you grew up and you always had a friend somewhere who had a farm. You used to go out and horseback ride and all this kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this generation, I, that's it's just not in their wheelhouse. And so um, you just, you, you've had a paradigm shift that hasn't been jolting and jarring if you really kind of look at the progression that we've gone in. And the, yeah. the order things have gone. So I, I don't know at this point that you can undo what's been done. You can't ever get back the green space that went for a three-story parking garage. Well, and Kathy, I don't mean to cut you off. James, no. you're done. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're out, James. We love you, James. He's got a hard stop. Best. We know he's got a hard stop. Thank so you make your mark or sight mark thank with you. James Sellers. James, thank you. Great, great topic talk. today. Thank you so much, great guys. Talk. Kathy, John, have a great day. We'll All right, James. We'll see you, brother. Thanks, friend. Great day, Texas. Bye-bye. Carter says bye, James. Bye, Uncle James. <laughs> and that's you know that this is a great conversation, and this I think this is something that you know we we should continue and touch back with James on this from time to time. Um, I'm I'm shocked at the figure that he gave. Well, and what so was Gail. Gail was shocked too. One percent, yeah, of Texans own land. You know, and so I'm thinking, does that count the people who have just an acre, or does do you have to or, or like, did he say so specifically I, I believe, what is considered as owning land? I believe the standard is 30 to 40 acres. When when you start talking a, a reasonable farm, right. you're talking 30 to 40 acres. And okay. so when you're in between that, like we're considered a reasonable farm. Right, so, right. And I could. I could go out and I could grow probably 28 acres of something. Something, Corn, yeah. hay, yeah. rice. Like, I've got a field um, that's 20 acres that will flood. Yeah. And so I could grow rice there during the flooding season. Right. And be very successful with growing rice, right? But so. very few people, and, and you're doing this later in life. Right. And um, this, you know, it, I'm just, I'm trying to think of anybody who's in their 20s and 30s now that I know, that my kids know, family, friends, whatever the case may be. I'm trying to think of anybody. Now, mind you, a lot of... Your friends and my friends are into um, backyard um, uh, gardens and, and, you know, planting stuff and, you know, fruit and garlic and, right. you know, you know herbs and this, that, and the other and all that. I love that kind of stuff, just the backyard garden. But that's not land. I mean, that you know, obviously it's land, you know, but that's not considered land. And I'm just trying to think of anybody who is young. I'm trying to think of any of my kids' friends or friends of ours who own a significant amount of land, which is very few folks now. You're one of the few now because most most of the people I know have sold a lot of them because right. they are older. And you know, my my uncle who had a huge tree farm, and we're talking ginormous out in Bonham, Texas. Um, you know, did all at the original ball, ballpark in Arlington did all the trees out there. Um, you know, didn't have you know kids or grandkids that were going to be interested in that so he sold it to some of the folks who worked for him oh you know decade or so ago right um and i'm trying to think of any 
anybody who's younger, talking about those 20 and 30, 20 something and 30 somethings, do you know anybody at that age that that's going to be their gig? No, I don't know anybody growing up. So here's the thing. You though. know, okay, the, I so, mean, I, I just, I didn't think about it until we talked about this today. Well, and even, um, do we have Senator Paxton on, by the way? Okay, okay. Let, let us know. What as she's soon as on. she's in, let us know so we're not just up here gabbing. Because <laughs> um, she's on the clock. By the way, that's it's Na- almost signy die. <laughs> that's Nathaniel we're talking to. <laughs> Hello, Nathaniel. God so, bless him. Who even was so kind to get us coffee today. Yeah, and then oh. it, of course, don't forget at eight forty-five we've got our military moment with Chuck Wright. Okay, all right. So back to the topic at hand. You know, so here's the the key, right? The the key is even in the FFA. Ag programs. Yeah. You don't hear kids in the city areas talking about taking over the family farms, right? So then I revert out to places like Aubrey, Rice, um, uh, Decatur. I start yeah, moving pre- out, right? Pre- start, start, like towards Grayson County and places like that. Right. And we have Foolish Bean. <laughs> I love that. That was cool. What was that from? That was kind of that was a little bit scary. That's kind of cool. Put it up. Foolish Bean. That's kind of scary. Oh my gosh! You don't know Mr. Bean? Oh, is that like Mr. Bean from the Mr. Bean from the? Yeah, that's Foolish Bean. Yes. I didn't know. What is he called? Foolish Bean? Well, he is in that picture. He looks kind of scary in that picture. (laughs) Those kids even are talking about. Somebody's got some talent. Did somebody pencil draw that? (laughs) Did you pencil draw that, Nathaniel? Eight forty-five. Oh, tell yeah, tell him eight forty-five. We've got Senate, the senator coming on next. Um, so, so here's the thing, right? Even out in the outer areas, yeah, kids are talking about leaving home, going into the cities to go to college, and then and not, not go back out back. to the family farm, yeah. right? Um, now there are some, and I think that this number is probably larger than what we think. If we were to poll the number of generational farms still alive in Texas. I would love to know that number. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good number. Um, I'll tell you somebody who is we can... Is there a way for, we can find that number out? Because there, I would love to know I can that. Con- I can contact my uh, my ag agent. Yeah. I'll tell you who we've got as a great resource for that. He may not know it, but he knows where to go and who to call would be Judd Gibson, who oh, is, on the, yes, wa- yes. is on the show and watches on a regular yep. basis. Yep. So, but the point is, is that... We are losing generational farms. At what rate, I'm not sure, especially in Texas. There's a lot of pride in Texas ranches. But what I've noticed here in the last five to ten years is a lot of the ranches, even the big ones, are starting to flip. And it's interesting. Now, what's happening is big companies or partnerships are coming in and buying them. and So it's not another family that's going to come in and farm that land. It. Like, and again, and then, you know, I've, and I've also, um, since being on commissioner's court, have worked a number of land cases um, as a special land commissioner for the state of Texas. And I, I mean, and these family, and I'm sitting here thinking over the years how many cases I've worked, and these family farms, I mean, the family's like, well, you know, my, my son's this, my daughter's that, my this is that, you know, so yes, we are selling this land, but we want the best price possible. And there's, you know, an argument between maybe the, you know, natural gas company and um, the pipelines and where they're going to be run. And these folks are maybe saving just the portion of the land that they live on, you know, like their nice pool, a nice, you know, maybe, you know, if they've built like a play area or whatever, and then they're home and they're selling the rest of it because, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm listening, I'm thinking of families who have testified in front of us, and JP, it's because, the, and the kids are there, and 
they don't have the interest. So they're the family's trying to get the best price per acre right. of the land. So if you drive wow. down three eighty, yeah. Okay, between seventy five <clears throat> between seventy five and thirty five. On the it's interesting, on the south side, there's tons of farmland. On the north side, you see all this commercial development. So it makes me wonder, you know, why is it that we're selling off our land on the north side? Are we the same family that owns the land on the south side? And these folks are holding out. Um, and I'm talking all the way, that whole corridor from 75 oh, to 35. Well, when I drove um, out to your, your property, um, I, I, first of all, I was dumbfounded because I haven't been out in that neck of the woods. I used to, we used to have family out in Aubrey, and it used to look like I was like, this is. This isn't Aubrey. Right. I, and, and my drive out there, I was like, am I, I kept thinking, am I going, I called you, am I going the right way? Because it looked nothing like it did 20 years ago when we had family out there. Um, and it's funny, and now it's one of those things, like I used to think, because I grew up in Richardson and then, you know, moved to Plano in 91 and when I was finishing up college in North Texas and became a teacher. And I remember thinking Richardson to Plano, oh, it's the longest ride ever. And and then now it's not. It's like a two-second drive down 75. And now what I'm thinking, what I used to think was such a big old hike out to Aubrey, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll see you in a few minutes, JP. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's just changed. You know, and again, change is good, but then at some point, what do we do when we turn back and all you've got is concrete all around you? Right. Well, you know, and I go back and, you know, Coach said, that, you know, hey, in Wisconsin, the family farm's not going away. It's, it, or the farmers are good. They're not. Um, and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, Coach, at all. but it, We it's, would never do that to you. No, no, no. But, you. Um, for we're, example. We're still afraid of you. You're still like our teacher. And I, <laughs> and I can't recall the percentage, but my sister and I got into an argument because I was talking about how when President Trump worked with Canada and told Canada, look, we're no longer – Yes. Going to deal with what restrictions you've placed on our we dairy farmers. We talked about farmers. that on the radio show. We I did. remember that. Oh, yeah. And my sister said, yeah, for a corporate farm. She goes, but the guy who owns <clears throat> the regular dairy farm can't afford it anymore. And they're shutting down. She had that week, that week that we talked, six farms going to receivership that were dairy farms. Well, because she's very connected in the farm community out Hugely there, so connected. she knows folks, and and they all help each other. And hey, what do you what yeah. what what do you you know? What's her Wisconsin ag agent and her are talk on a daily basis. Um, it's like the land when two years ago when they started building the first house in a subdivision across the street from her. Yeah, you know she left are Green we, Bay. Are we good? Sorry to interrupt. Are we good because she was updating her Zoom link. I think she was updating. So, okay, but that's, so that's, and that's heartbreaking. That was a few years ago. Well, and the farmer across the way from my sister owns yeah. 1,200 acres over there. Oh, wow. He's already sold off 600 for development. And so it's just a matter of time. They've already built their first 12 so. houses. And these are regular little old 2,000 square feet. Just normal, your normal yeah. middle, middle, come, middle, middle yeah. to average income family yeah. home. So somebody moved, it was funny, and this last winter, all these little families are moving out from the concrete jungle in Green Bay, right? Right. And they couldn't get out of the snow and the ice. So my sister took her tractor over there 
so to dig them out so they could get on to work, right? I love it. It was oh, something and else. There she is. Hey, good morning, Senator Paxton. There's Senator Paxton. Good morning. Sorry about that. No, no worries at all. We've we've been talking the vanishing farmland. So we've had a whole nother topic going on. Great to see you. Well, it's good to see you guys too. How is everything? Well, it's happening. You tell us. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting close to the session being over. Let me ask this big question first, Senator Paxton. Do we see a special session coming? Or are we going to be able to finish off uh, in regular time? You know, it, that's really hard to say. That is a, a matter that the governor has uh, sole discretion really to determine. And, um, you know, I... I will say this, we talk about uh, our system of government and the principle of limited government. And one of the things I think uh, that, that what we see right now here at the very end of the session in the last two and a half weeks is this is a process that is literally designed for limited government. It is not easy for something to become a law, and that's by design. Um, a, a, a bill has to, to go through a lot of scrutiny. It has to go through a lot of process. Um, it has to go through a lot of transparency before it even has a chance to make it to the governor's desk. And I know with some bills, that's really frustrating uh, for all of us. Um, I've got bills that are stuck in committee over at the House. I know House members have bills that are stuck in committee at the House or stuck in committee mm -hmm. in the Senate. Um, but I will also tell you, there are bills that have not ever really seen the light of day that we're all, all very happy about. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it is a, it's a tough process. It is not easy for something to make it all the way through. That's by design so that when something does, it has really crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. So we're at the point where there are no, okay, no new bills are going through. Um, I, I mean, you know, you can't file any bills anymore. That deadline's passed. Um, I had somebody, and actually I've got one of your constituents who I'm going to be reaching out to you and Della today um, to talk to them about an issue with an adult special needs um, uh, family member. And they said, well, if we need to pass legislation, I said that time's passed. So at this point, if somebody still has an issue, you do encourage them to still contact your office because it may be an issue that you need to start working on now for next session, or maybe it's something that doesn't need legislation. I, I just, I don't want people to feel like at the end of session here, don't contact anybody because it doesn't matter because it still does. Yeah. And, and you know, here's what I would say. If where we are in the session, you're right. Um, on the on the one hand, the opportunity for a new idea to enter the process, we're kind we're kind of past that. But sometimes something that you may think is a new idea, it may not be a new idea. It may be something that we can attach to something else we know about. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. As an amendment, okay, or you know, so. And, and you, you know, you, you, you never really know what the possibilities might be. You do know if you don't say anything that nothing can happen. What is it? Right. I, I'm learning to play golf. And I remember <laughs> uh, someone told me about a Texas A&M study that 95% of the, of the balls 
that don't get, don't make it all the way to the hole. Don't go in. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Is that, is that all I need to know to play golf? <laughs> there you go. So there's, there's my, my Aggie joke. Uh, uh, but you know, the idea there is that you don't ever, when you're putting, you don't want to putt short because there's no way it goes in if it's short, no matter how straight, no matter what. Right. So you always, you always want to kind of put past the hole because that's the only chance you have for it to go in. And I guess what I'm getting at is if people don't speak up, then no one knows what's in your head. And you may, you may know something um, that, you know, who knows the Lord may direct you just to the right person. The Lord is so able to do that where um, I find out about something and then I find out about something else and I'm like, I can marry these things up. So, um, you know, I, I guess I would say if there is something that matters to you, then, then do go ahead and, and call the office. And, and if the, if the office, you know, person that you talk to, um, they'll, they'll check it out and they'll, they'll they may get back to you and say, listen, there's not an, op- we don't see anything, uh, an opportunity for this to move now, but let's circle back after the session. Um, because you know, we'll, it doesn't make sense to, to spend time on something right now that can't move in the system now. Right. So that would be true. Right. We got to, we're, we're putting all of our energy into getting the things that are in process across the finish line, pro-life legislation, constitutional carry, um, election integrity, um, critical race theory. Um, oh yeah. You know, that's all, a big topic. The, we're getting ready to, t- right, to tackle right. on the all show. These, I mean, there's a lot that, that really matters. And, and until the governor signs it, it, it is not law. Right. Yesterday, the governor signed the first of this year's, this session's legislation into law, the first bill to make it through all, jump through all the hoops and be signed happened yesterday. Um, I was there for that. It was a, it's a business bill so that um, small businesses are not taxed on their franchise taxes with forgiven PPP loans. And so it's a great, oh, you know, business bill. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, that affects a lot of our small businesses. So that was signed into law yesterday. I co-authored that bill and I was, I got to be there for the signing, but it was the, it was the first bill. So we are now at the point where the governor is starting to get those things to his desk, but okay. they've got to get to both houses first. And I guess the, the other thing I would really encourage you to do is, um, to go to that website that we've talked about every week, www.capital with an O dot Texas, all spelled out dot gov. Go to that website. You can follow the legislation that matters to you. You can see where it is. I saw an email from the Republican party uh, just the other day that, that was telling people, you know, Hey, you've got to, you got to get on this stuff. We've got important pro-life legislation like the heartbeat bill, it's passed the house, but it hasn't, but it still hasn't gotten through the Senate. And I contacted this person. I said, this bill passed the Senate March 30th, the month yes. and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess I would just say, you know, sometimes mistakes, miscommunication goes out there, but you can go check anything you want to, and you can call my office and you can say, Hey, did this happen? Did this not happen? Um, you know, we don't have time to deal with misinformation. We, we need to deal with what's real and what is happening. So right. I don't want people spending their, spinning their wheels exactly trying to get the Senate to pass a bill 
that passed at the end of March, right? I want you to call the Speaker of the House and say, move this bill through the House. I want you to call the Lieutenant Governor and say, move this bill through the Senate. And when we get both of those things done, things can go to conference and then we can send them to the governor. Absolutely. I have a question. I have a question. What is your question? I have buddy? a question, Miss Teacher Ward. Miss Teacher Ward. <laughs> Senator well, Pax- t- Teacher Paxton, too. Yeah, yeah Teacher she's Paxton. A for- she's That's a right, teacher. teacher Paxton as well. Yeah, but I don't know. Senator Paxton may have sent me to ISS or something. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, so, Senator Paxton, we've got a lot of activity on the feed. And so I want to pose these questions for you for next time. Um, and if you don't mind coming back and answering them, because they're big questions and we'll probably take a little research and time. Um, what is Texas doing about illegal immigration? Yes, We've heard about what the governor has responded. Is the state legislature looking at, is there a bill out there? So what is Texas doing about illegal immigration? And then the other one is, and this is something that I've already responded and said that, you know, that the, the, the attorney general has starting to address but will the state legislature address this as well, like Florida and Oklahoma? What are we doing about Antifa, BLM, other organizations that are going out and closing down intersections and doing things that are illegal and our local law enforcement yes. is not enforcing the law? And, you know, will there, and then another question, and I'm doing this so that you can go back or your chief of staff or somebody can go back and maybe do a little research um, yeah. on the video. Um, and, are we going to put a bill out there that protects local police when they do enforce the law from the crazy radicalness of, well, you're just a racist if you arrest me for breaking the law? Yeah, so, we're not talking pe- peaceful protests are great. We're talking the ones that disrupt everyday life that that are that cause damage or harm or potential harm and shutting down traffic. It does cause harm to folks. So um, if you could look into that for next time, I don't want to hit you with yeah. that because there's no way you could be ready to answer something like that. Well, um, she would need another, well, another 30 minutes. You, <laughs> might be, you might be surprised at um, the breadth of things that um, are talked about in the Paxton family. So, um, <laughs> well, well, I don't want to compromise the Attorney General and the Senator's relationship. Hello, hello well, Attorney General. <laughs> hey, He's not the only member of the Paxton family. We got four kids and two son-in-laws and a baby. Uh, so, um, let, but let me let me just say this. Um, you know, first of all, uh, I've spoke with Ken this morning. He uh, is in D.C. and here's something he told me. He said, "You know, it's so interesting to me. It's very different being in D.C. And of course, he's you know been back and forth in, to D.C. Um, in." in you know, over the course of his time as attorney general. And um, he said, it's very different being here with the, with the new administration, right? Mm -hmm. His experience, you know, the, obviously he had a lot of access um, to folks that are, uh, were in the previous administration, Trump administration, and was working, um, you know, with them on a lot of things. And that obviously the posture uh, between the the two have have changed quite a bit. Um, But he said, you know, it's really interesting being here. This, he said that just this morning, maybe about an hour ago when I talked with him, he said, you know, there is a fence around the White House. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, he said, um, I said, you mean like barricades? Or, and he goes, no, no, no. I said, I said, you mean like a chain link fence? He said, yeah. He said, there's literally a fence around the White House. So imagine a chain link fence that's been put up around it and he said the white house is closed and the border is open 
<laughs> and yeah, we're in opposite world. Thought, we're in alternate you know, universe. How backward that is, yes. right? I mean, that's yes. so. I'll just I'll just make that comment uh, there. The other you know thing I I do want to say um, just a couple of things about uh, the 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 stuff going on with the protests uh, and the the intersection. I saw the video that I'm sure many of you have seen, and you know it's it's disturbing in so many ways, right? I mean, and I think if, you know, I, I actually had an opportunity to engage in a, just a, just get a little small taste of doing um, some virtual reality simulation training um, that some law enforcement people utilize to do training in de-escalation. Um, and what that means is you go into a volatile situation and of course, you know, law enforcement, they've got a very tough job. Number one, um, they're under a microscope. They, they have to be completely perfect. Um, and then on the other hand, they've got two jobs. They've got law enforcement and public safety. And I think what, I mean, if, if, you, if you can kind of remove yourself from the emotion of what's going on with these things um, on both sides, honestly, uh, I think you see, if you, if you just think about it, it's pretty complex because there is law enforcement and there's public safety and, and it's complicated in every possible way. Um, it's, and it's so emotionally charged. And so, um, you know, it's, it's very challenging. And of course, the first thing in a volatile situation, anyone is, uh, any well-trained officer is going to do is they're going to try to engage in de-escalating the situation so that it doesn't turn into something worse, right? And that makes a lot of sense. And I, I just wanna say the small taste of um, simulation training that I participated in gave me a sense of this that really opened my eyes to the, to the challenge of it. Mm. So I, that's all I'll say about that for right now. Um, but this morning, I woke up with this on my heart. And it is, you know, people are talking about this on talk radio, um, on, on both sides. Uh, people are engaging in protest um, and speaking out and, you know, on, on both sides. Right. And when I woke up this morning, I was just praying about it. And I felt like God said, who is praying? Who is praying? This this issue isn't about intersections and it's not about law enforcement. It is so much deeper. It is about hearts and, you know, I know I'm a, I'm a state Senator, but my, my first identity is I'm a child of God and that is everyone's first identity. And I, I just want to ask everyone listening, if you are a person of faith, um, and I'm not asking you to not speak up and, and have your voice heard or and engage in um, pursuing what you feel like is, is just and right. I want you to do that. But please, will you join me in praying? And I felt this morning, I'm, I'm going to commit to pray at noon every day for reconciliation about this specific issue that's happening in Collin County. It's complicated. It's complex. Yes. But I'm going to commit to praying at noon every day about 
reconciliation and healing and safety and true um, heart dealing with this issue that we can come to a place where we really do have a safe place to live. And, and I don't think it's, I mean, we've, there's a lot, there's law enforcement has to do its job. Citizens have to do their job. People have to follow the law. People need to be safe. I need to feel safe. And I want to support all of those things from my position as a state Senator, from my legislative position. I want to make sure that our cities, our municipalities, our police departments, our citizens are all able to do what their rights are and are also able to do them safely for everyone without putting other people in danger. But I'm asking everyone, please join me if you're a person of faith in praying for healing and reconciliation at the deepest level on this issue. And I'm going to commit to pray at noon every day. Uh, I'll, JP and I'll commit right there with you. Um, I, I think you. I think we need that, and we we encourage the crew to do that as well. I mean, there's there's power in um, numbers when we pray. Uh, we desperately need that, and, and when it starts, when it's in your own backyard, Senator, it is frightening when you have people from other cities texting you on Mother's Day saying, "Are y'all okay? Are y'all safe with what happened in in basically in your own backyard this weekend?" It that's a, that's these are then re, then everything starts getting very real. So um, when you don't know what well, else and, to do, pray right. You, no, and I, and I'll say and I'll say this. I mean, you you know that. I mean, people have um, at times protested, uh, tried to protest at our house. Um, oh yes, and you know, I mean, I I'm I have. I have a, a dog in the hunt. I have skin in the game yeah. on this. And I'm I'm asking, not because of that. I'm just saying it's this is real to me. Yes. yes. And and I know that um, the government has its has its its role to play and citizens acting responsibly have their role to play. And not everyone's going to. And not everyone's perfect. They're gonna be, you know, things happen that are unintended and things happen that are that are completely intended that are not good um and it is we, we're dealing with people who are in a very highly emotional um state on um, both sides you know yeah yeah on every side and and um anyway i i i'm not saying oh throw up our hands and and let's just pray i mean if we aren't praying, what do we think will last that will be good that comes out of it? That's where the real power is. And so we need to, we need to be surrounding our officers with prayer. We need to be surrounding yes. people who are, are hurt and are hurting others with prayer. Um, it's in Amen. everyone's best interest. And, and then we need to do the right thing um, in, in government, whether that's the city, the police department, the, um, the, the state, we all need to do our job. Um, but we need to be equipped and armored up with prayer. Well, Senator Agreed. Paxton, thank well you. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, inspiring. Yes. You know, inspiring. really is. And God bless you for your service. And we continue to pray for you and your leadership. And we appreciate your accessibility to us, to the crew, to your constituents. Not everybody has that in the state of right. Texas, and we do right here with Senator Angela Paxton. We do. Yep. 
Well, so. I appreciate you guys and, and uh, thank you for um, just your incredibly active and proactive and positive. Um, I mean, you're, you're a force for positive change. There are a lot thank of people you. that that love this stuff just so they can stir it up. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, there are other people who just don't want any trouble and they want to, you know, they, they'll hide things and, and neither of those is good. Neither of those is no. healthy. No, neither of those is healthy. Um, I appreciate your posture with what you do with the show to actively positively engage people to accomplish good things and in a good way. And um, anyway, I appreciate you, you both. I bless you. And I hope y'all have a great day. And I look forward to being back with y'all next week. All right. Same to you. We'll Same see you, you then. Be blessed. Thanks. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Senator Angela Paxton. So <laughs> good stuff. The um, end now we've got, we've got Chuck Wright. Yay, Chuck Wright. We're going to talk some Woo-hoo. military. Now we're talking military. One of our so favorite So a little extended subjects. show. It's a special edition. Well, it's so it's just so much to cover today. Yeah, so much to cover today. Either that or we just like to talk. Well, I think that's a no duh. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we see Chuck Wright's name. <laughs> we hear him. Oh, I think he's got us. Oh, he has us. Whoa, 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 whoa. I recognize that baritone <laughs> voice. There he is. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was like, I was listening. Uh, yeah. You were listening to the lovely Angela Paxson. Great, uh, and, great and I'm job. A, a quick yeah. shout out if she can still hear us. Ken and Angela are incredible people. We're so honored to know them. Michelle and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, they're just great people. Agree. I couldn't agree more. Very fortunate. I mean, they've had their bumps and bruises like everybody else, but that's life. But they they're they're good folks, and they are they are truly in it to serve Texans with a servant's heart. And you can't say that about many folks in politics. You just can't. But we can say great stuff about our friend Chuck Wright from Kilroy's Conversation and our veteran community. We just we love all of the work that that y'all do with Kilroy's Conversation. What a great show every Saturday morning from eight to nine. And what do you have coming up here, Chuck? Oh man, I, and I'm going to link two themes together. Okay. Um, and I'm going to get on you to get on the computer immediately after this. And get on the team because I want to talk about JP, Kathy, and yes. the Cruz team. Yes. So let me but let me first, put in a caveat real quick. I Chuck. want to invite everybody that can hear my voice uh, tomorrow, Thursday, eleven hundred. Be out there by ten ten thirty. Frisco Commons. It's eight thousand McKinney Road. We are going to dedicate our Gold Star Family Monument. Over two years have gone into this project. Thank you very much. Oh, did he freeze up? Let me talk about who Woody is and what he's done for this. But we're going to do a dedication. It is open to everybody. Please come attend. It is going to be memorable. So they say that one in 400,000 Americans have ever met a Medal of Honor recipient. I don't just want you to meet a Medal of Honor recipient. I want you to meet the last surviving Medal of Honor recipient. Woody Williams, and hilarious enough, that was his uh, uh, grandson calling in who handles his schedule. 
so it, it's been crazy around here uh, as we're getting ready for the dedication, but we are so, so very excited that it's going to be tomorrow. Now, not everybody knows what a gold star family is, and I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'm, I'm going to just define it. And for us, it's anybody, anybody who's lost a family member in military service to their nation. Anybody who's had someone give their last full measure of devotion to our country. And that is what this monument is about. My little monument. Michelle's bringing me more coffee. I haven't had enough yet. Um, <laughs> she's being very cautious. Now that she can hear me talking, she's probably not going to come into my office. Um, but we, in, we invite everybody to come out. Uh, there no cost. There's, we're not taking money or anything else. It's just come out and be part of this uh, as we honor those. And, and, and some in your audience know, not everybody, that I was an Air Force brat. I grew up in the military. It was the family business, if you will. And then I served, but more so my brother served. And he made five deployments to the sandbox. And I watched the sacrifices that his wife had to make as she raised the family with him um, deployed. And it's just incredible. And these are the people that we want to honor. Those that have truly, they have given a son, they have, they have given a, a mother or a father, they've given an aunt or an uncle or a cousin, a brother or a sister, one of the members of our committee, she's a gold star sister. And we have a gold star mom and a a gold star dad, and we've got a gold star wife, and we've got a gold star daughter, uh, and a gold star sister on our committee. And it, it, it's, these are incredible sacrifices, but come out, honor us, meet Herschel Woody Williams, an amazing, amazing man and an amazing story. Sorry, that's I was awesome. Going off. No, 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 we no, love no. that, and we know how much you respect him, and we and we love that about you. I mean, you're not just this isn't lip service for you. You are truly committed to the veterans, uh, our veterans, the the Woodies of the world, and um, which he's one of a kind, um, and and helping out veterans, and we appreciate that about you so much. So, um, one more time, Chuck, where is it tomorrow? It is at Frisco Commons. It's eight thousand mckinney road in frisco and it'll be just on the other side that once you get there you see a large pavilion it's just on the other side of the pavilion did you say you eight thousand there'll frisco be lots road? of folks out there it will be great and by the way i, I forgot frisco to mention woody is the one who created the foundation that supports the building of these monuments so That's i didn't right. make that connection uh he is incredibly committed to giving back his favorite quote the cause is greater than i so again chuck yeah, is that 8000 frisco road and is there is there a facebook page or a website that we can copy oh, into our road. social Thank media you, McKinney yeah, Road. McKinney Road. Yeah, I wanted to correct JP, but I didn't want to interrupt the lovely Miss Kathy. Oh, um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't 8,000 McKinney Road. It's Frisco Commons. What time? Um, there was another question there. Facebook page is actually the North Texas Gold Star Family Monument Project. There is a website, but we don't have a, it's not a simple link. It's not like Gunny Golf. I make, I make those links real simple, <laughs> but I didn't create that link. But you can go to the uh, Herschel Woody Williams Foundation, 
and you can find us, but you've got to drill down and, and find projects underway. And, okay, I'm going to look time? And, uh, I believe it will be Monday. We're going to go from project under construction to project completed on the website. We're very wow, proud of that. that's awesome. What time? 1100. So be there by 1030. Um, just to move around. Uh, that would be my recommendation. Oh, there we go. We've got it up on the feed right now. North Texas Gold Star Family. Perfect. Thank you, Nathaniel. So the other thing I wanted to mention real fast uh, before JP throws me off, um, it says hit the showers, dude. Uh, Hit the showers. (laughs) A little bit of an inside (laughs) joke. Um, I threw up the link. JP, Kathy, and the crew are joining Carry the Load this year, and I'm wearing my Carry the Load load carrier shirt. I'm not far enough back to see it. just for this show this morning, uh, but join J. If if you are a follower of JP, Kathy, and the crew, please join the team. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to buy a T-shirt or anything else. You don't have to do anything but sign up. Join the team. I would love to see JP, Kathy, and the crew with 200, 300 team members. Uh, and we'll talk about this more as the month goes on. Oh, yeah, this is greatness. They are part of trying to restore the true meaning of Memorial Day. Love it. And I, I reposted the link and, um, and also, of course, extended to come out and join us, uh, be part of our team. And so, yeah, we want to continue to push that and get as many crew members as possible on the carry the load team. I love, love that it. stuff. So. Love All it, right. love it, and love well, it. Well, Chuck Wright, thank you for our military moment this we week. We appreciate you. Uh, love you guys. Love Have you a too. great day. Thanks Look forward for to seeing service. you tomorrow. All Sounds right. great. Take Bye-bye. care. All right. There we go. Chuck Wright. Whew, good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, good stuff. we have definitely gone over our normal time. Yeah, but lots of good stuff to get in today. Lots just, of just good lots stuff. Just lots of good stuff. Lots so of good there stuff. You go. There you go. There All you right. Go. Well, we will be back Friday. I will be in Houston. Yes, and I will you. have a special you. guest. Yeah, um, we've got Lathan coming in, and I think, I believe, I'm going to have my son on. He is going to be, um, he has a really cool opportunity with his music career um, this summer, but his, um, you know, his stepdad and his dad and I have challenged him, hey, if, if you're serious about this, you've got to raise the bulk of the funds. And he's got substantial amount of money to raise in the next couple of weeks. But we're hoping that the crew will help us share the word and get him across the finish line and uh, get him to a really cool opportunity this summer. So fingers crossed and lots of prayers. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, we I hear the y'all. music. Um, and uh, we'll be back on, well, again, Kathy will be here on Friday. I'll be in Houston. I think Lathan will be in studio, uh, and we'll talk okay. a little bit more about his new show. There you go. That's up and coming up this month. Up and coming this I think, month. I think the end of May. End of May. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. You know, here's the deal. <laughs> Besides all that, Kathy, open your jacket. Oh, I've got. We oh, all need yeah, a t-shirt I've like got that. got a flash. So this is a Shiba Inu, you know, you know we've got Kira's, my, my littlest baby. I need one of those. So this is one of my Mother's Day presents is a Shiba Inu t-shirt. And then I didn't bring it in today, doggone it. But it's a Shiba Inu. With a unicorn, a Shiba Inu, and a combination unicorn mug. I, I was like, yeah, I, I can only throw so much at JP today. <laughs> right. All right, everybody, take He's care. Limited sleep with the baby. Right. Everybody have a great day, we and uh, we'll be talking you. at you throughout the week. Take care. <laughs>